half-hearted claps for politics. I mean, uh, what was that? Oh, it did it. Did it? I said half-hearted claps for politics. We're going to do what we're not supposed to do in social settings, and that is to talk about politics. I do think it's very important that we talk about politics and how Christians are to respond in this time. So I don't have long, and we have a lot to get through, so let's go for it. You guys with me? You guys all committed to love me through this whole process? Come on, let me feel some love. Okay. Um, Politics are incredibly tense right now. You guys feeling it? It is very intense right now. And the feeling that we're getting is people have their confidence in one political candidate. And if their candidate wins, then it's going to be peace and prosperity for all of us. But if their opposition wins, then our nation is going to be ruined. And both sides are feeling the same way. This last week, my wife and I uh, in our neighborhood, one neighbor came to us in our driveway and just defeated and said, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. If Trump is going to be elected, our nation is doomed. And then that same day, another neighbor came to us and said, oh my gosh, I, I don't know what's going to happen. If, if Biden is elected, our nation is doomed. There's this massive polarization right now. And our political climate is uh, requiring us to pledge allegiance to one candidate or the other, to one party or the other. It's partisan politics, or as someone has termed, it's political tribalism. It's political tribalism, and here's how political tribalism works. You have to pick your champion. You have to pick your party, and you have to pledge total allegiance to your party and believe everything that that party is uh, teaching or, or their, their policy. Uh, people are expected to aggressively and militantly promote their candidate, and you have to be ready to fight or cancel anybody that opposes you or you don't like what they have to say, and you're expected to promote your candidate or party as better than they actually are, and you need to be unwilling to acknowledge any weakness in your candidate or party, and you have to attack your party's opposition and exaggerate with misinformation that they are worse than they actually are. It's political tribalism. It is painful to watch, but what is even more painful is that Christians are getting caught up in political tribalism. I've seen online, as I'm sure you have, Christians on some social media platform tearing apart another Christian for everybody to watch, and it should not be so. Since this pandemic, it's I've been asking myself, why has everybody lost their minds? I mean, we have gone from one thing to the next. Like, how does a pandemic become controversial? It's like there's conspiracy theories and mask or no mask. And then we had the racial stuff and now we're facing an election. This is the verse I've been constantly reminding myself of. Philippians 4, 5. Let your reasonableness... 
Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Reasonableness is a kingdom value. And as Christians, we are required to be reasonable. You guys agree with this? We are to be reasonable and we are to be known to be reasonable. Your neighbors should know you as someone who's reasonable. So the massive concern right now in America, uh, as an American, I've grown up uh, in a Christian uh, upbringing. My parents are leading a church right now. We have loved this nation. I love being American. Uh, I feel like God has blessed this country. Um, But what we have grown up in and what we are seeing is what we would call American Christianity. And for some, American, our Americanism means that we're Christians and if you're a Christian, then you're American. It's American Christianity. And the big concern that I have for the church right now is the American church is looking less and less like the true church. And this is a problem in our nation right now. So I want to communicate some concerns and I want to give a call. I'm calling on Christians to act like Christians even in this political climate and I'm asking that the churches act like churches of Jesus even in the political climate that we are presently in. Could we get behind that? Christians in this time, when times are dark, the church should shine brighter. When times are dark, light should dispel darkness. And right now, Christians need to rise up and be light in darkness. Here is what is at stake if Christians become too political. I think there's four consequences. Of course, there's more. But I want to point out four consequences if Christians, if the church should... Churches become too political. What is at stake? Uh, We need to keep politics in its proper place. Keep politics separate from the kingdom of God. PJ talked about that uh, last night. We can't be too political. We can't allow ourselves to give over to political tribalism. So the first consequence for the church is this. Our confidence in Jesus will be replaced with confidence in our political party and candidate, and this is a massive issue. One of the most concerning things right now is people seem to be more confident, Christians seem to be more confident about their political opinions and convictions than they are of Jesus and the kingdom. And this is a concern. Political fervor has been replaced or religious fervor has been replaced with political fervor. Do you see this happening? Now, politics offers an attractive counterfeit to the kingdom. And it's polling on the hearts of Christians in America. Think about this. Instead of making much of Jesus, we start making much of our political candidate. Instead of identifying ourselves as the people of God, we start identifying ourselves by our political party. Instead of seeing the battle and our enemy that we fate as one with that spiritual principalities and powers, we start to make the enemy our opposing party. Instead of seeing our mission of as making disciples of Jesus, 
we turn our mission into making disciples who are conservative or liberal. And this should not be so. There's a name for this, and it's called idolatry. Or more accurately, political idolatry. In the Old Testament, what do we see happening? Uh, We see that God intervenes, he rescues his people. And the people worship God, say he is the one true God. A few years later, time transpires, people start to face a drought. So what do they do? They turn to another God who will provide rain. We need some rain, so let's pray to the rain God. Or we're barren, so let's pray to the fertility God. And now in our climate, if we want the economy to be stronger, we look to our political candidate to bring a stabilized economy. It's political idolatry. It's getting our eyes off Jesus. It's getting us to place our hope in a candidate. Gets us to look for peace and joy and confidence from our party. And it demands our trust and allegiance. Psalms 146 verse 3 says this. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no hope for you there. Church, do not put your confidence in Trump. There is no hope for you there. Church, do not put your trust in Biden. There is no hope for you there. There is only one worthy of our trust and confidence and allegiance, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus isn't part of some political system. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. PJ reminded us last night that the kingdom is spiritual, not political. Jesus is king. Jesus has a kingdom and it's not Republican and it's not Democrat. As Christians, we are subject to King Jesus. Our allegiance is to the kingdom of God not to the political systems of this world. And church, in this time, church leaders, we need to be pointing our people to trust and confidence in Jesus. So in order for the church to act like the church, amidst political uh, turmoil, and we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Now that sounds super simple. Of course, the answer is to fix our eyes on Jesus. In the midst of our nation being unreasonable and pointing to their Savior in their political party, church in this time needs to fix our eyes on Jesus. And here's the result. Here is the result if we fix our eyes on Jesus, uh, on Jesus. It means that we can face this election without worry and anxiety, overwhelming fear and worry and anxiety. What's going to happen? Oh, we're doomed. No, we're not doomed. For our eyes are fixed on Jesus. It means we can face this political climate with peace rooted in our heart. It means that if our candidate is not elected, our preferred candidate is not elected, it's not the end of the world and all hope is not lost. We'll be okay. Jesus is still on the throne. Second consequence, I'm intense, I know I'm intense. This is a massive concern for me, for the church, and I want you to share this concern with me. I'm not mad at you, I'm not angry at you, but we need to be intense about this. We need to be crystal clear about this. The second consequence 
If we allow Christians in the church to become too political as this, we will fail to be like Jesus to those around us. We will fail to be like those, like Jesus to those who are around us. What's the greatest virtue that Christians are to aspire to? It's love. Faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. Jesus says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Christians in the church are to be famous for loving. We are to be most famous out of all things. The greatest thing that we're supposed to be famous for is love. I heard someone, I read something on Facebook, and yes, I do look at Facebook every once in a while. Usually it's bad stuff, but some, someone posted this quote, I care less about who you vote for and more about how you treat the people who vote differently than you. I have talked to numerous amounts of people, Christians, who have vilified and demonized and dehumanized the opposing candidate. I have heard people say, you know Nancy Pelosi? She's like evil incarnate. She's like a witch or something. I've heard Christians yell out, nasty Nancy. I've heard on the other side, people talk about Trump as like he is evil incarnate. I don't even know if he's human. What we believe as Christians is that these are people made in the image of God. And our God who loves us also loves Trump. Our God who loves us also loves Biden. And because God loves them, we too as his followers, as subject to his kingdom, who commit our allegiance to his kingdom, love like he loves. We don't dehumanize people. We're to be known as people who love like he loves. This is what we are called to. The third is this. Third concern. Is if we get too political, we will promote division in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.10. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters. He is talking to the church. Paul is talking to the church and he's addressing a serious problem. He says, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with one another. Let there be no division in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, I am a follower of Trump. Others are saying, I follow Biden. Or others follow Bernie Sanders. Or I follow Christ. There's a massive problem in the church at Corinth. And there's divisions. And in the church, it should not be so. How is division happening in the church. People are elevating their leaders to a higher position than their leaders should be. 
They're placing their confidence in leaders, human leaders, rather than Jesus, and they're elevating their preferred leader higher than they should be. And it's resulting in divisiveness. This is political idolatry. It happens in the church. It's happening right now in our nation. How does divisiveness come, happen? Well, we put confidence in our guy. We're like, I know who the guy is. This guy is awesome. He's the best. We then boast about our candidate, our guy, our preferred guy. He's the best. Your guy sucks. What does that do? Results in quarreling. And the church is divided. When we elevate a man or woman in a place that they should not be, it will always result in divisiveness in the church. We elevate no person above King Jesus. Now Paul, who is addressing divisiveness in the church, we don't have time to go through the whole passage, but I want to pull out two verses of how he ends his exhortation to the people. 1 Corinthians 131 says this, So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. What are we doing here? We're boasting in Jesus, even in the midst of our political climate. How are we going to make it through? We're going to continue to boast in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2.2, what does he say? For I have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, Paul's not an idiot. He's not simple. He knows a lot of things. He's a brilliant man. But he has limited what he has chosen to make a priority for the sake of unity in the church. And that's what the church must do in this time. Like, as Christians who live in America, it's a great privilege to be Americans. I believe we have a responsibility to vote. I think it's, uh, we need to steward the grace of God in our voting. As we vote, we are choosing to love people. Like we're called to love people. In our vote, we're choosing to make sure people are loved and cared for. Government is a gift. It's uh, delegated by the authority of God. And government's position and responsibility is to pose injustice. So we want a godly government. That we want that and we want to steward our vote well. But as Christians, we have one allegiance and that's to Jesus. Now Jesus is, Jesus is perfect. Jesus' word is perfect. Jesus' truth is perfect. Jesus' way is perfect. We do not have to lose confidence that Jesus might miss it. Now he's truthful in every way. We have ultimate confidence in him. But our political system is not perfect. It's imperfect. Our candidates are imperfect. And so all of us as Christians, as we steward the grace of this privilege of voting, we have to take our allegiance to Jesus who is perfect and use wisdom and humility to try to, to understand God's principle and, and and use it in the ballot box. Now, get this. Christians, Christians, godly, Christ-honoring, 
thoughtful, biblically grounded Christians are going to vote for Biden this election. Godly, Christ-honoring, biblically grounded, thoughtful Christians are going to vote for Trump this election. Godly, Christ-honoring, biblically grounded, thoughtful Christians are going to choose to abstain from voting in this election. And for all of us, we must choose wisdom and humility. We can't be prideful about this decision that we are facing. We can't. We can't assume that our vote is the right vote. Absolutely. And anybody who doesn't vote on your side is an idiot. We have to vote with humility and then we also have to give grace and extend grace to other Christians who are voting differently than you because this is not where we divide. Man, over and over again in scripture, Jesus is concerned about his bride and he's concerned about divisions in the church. Titus 3.10 says this, if people are causing divisions among you, give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. And church leaders, we must not permit divisiveness. Fourth thing, fourth concern is this. We will harm our witness to those who don't know Jesus. We will harm our witness to those who do not yet know Jesus. And this is a grave concern. We are to put no stumbling blocks in front of people who are exploring the Christian faith, who are not yet Christians. No stumbling block except for the offense of the cross. But if we allow ourselves to get too political, non-Christians can see our behavior and say, wow, they're so ugly, they're fighting, they're divisive. If that's what a Christian is, why would I want Christ? Another stumbling block is that if we promote our party and we become known as ones that are for Trump or ones that are for Biden, then we can leave unbelievers to assume that if they're going to become a Christian, they have to align themselves to your political party. And man, that is not the kingdom. And Jesus welcomes Democrats. He welcomes Republicans. And we want to put no stumbling block to those who had come to saving knowledge of Jesus. We want to continue to be the light. I want to remind us, I'm done, my time is up. I want to remind us who we are. Our confidence is not in the political candidate, it's in Jesus. Our people, though we love being citizens of America, our people are not Americans, our people are the people of God. The enemy is not the opposing side. The enemy is the principalities and powers of this world. And our battle is to oppose that, not flesh and blood. And our mission is to continue to make much of Jesus and make disciples of Jesus. Here's what 1 Peter 2, 9 says. This is who we are. This is our mission. This is what we are called to be. But you are a chosen race. Not Democrat, not blue and red. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. 
a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. Not Trump or Biden who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The church is going to continue to act like the church. And we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. If we're going to be the true church, we're going to have to make a distinction in this time from what is called the American church, an American culture church, American culture Christianity. We're going to have to contrast it in this time with what is the true thing. 